have no rival. You have no equal. What's his name, church? Jesus. Yes, amen. We love him this morning, amen. Can we just give him one massive shout of praise in this place? Oh, we love you, Lord. We worship you. We honor you and magnify you in this house. We are your church. This is your church. And we are your people. Just give him one more shout of praise, church. Let him know how much you love him this morning. He is our King of kings and our Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. What an amazing God we serve. We just thank Him for the privilege to gather as His church to worship Him, to honor Him, and to magnify our understanding of Him as we study His life-changing Word this morning. Amen. Before you take your seats, let's pray together. Lord God, we come together as your church to lift up your name and to bring you the praise that you deserve. As we now spend time in your word, we ask that you would sharpen the focus of our minds and keep us attentive as we look at principles today that can set us free from the bondage of fear. Lord, we know that all truth is found in you and only you. But we also acknowledge, Lord, that freedom from every bondage in this world is found in your name. So we ask today, Lord, that you would show us how to walk in freedom of faith as we pursue to detoxify ourselves from the attempts of the enemy to bring us into a sabotage state of mind. We put all of our trust and our hope in you. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in your mighty name. And all God's people said... Amen and amen. You're welcome to take your seats this morning. Is everyone good? Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Amen. Church this morning, we are going into part two of our sermon series called Detox. In part one of the series, we looked at detoxifying ourselves from the conformity or the molds that this world is trying to force and squeeze us into. We looked at how this world system is set out to destroy everything we stand for as Christians and this living organism, which is the church. If you can recall, we looked, when we look at the definition of the word detoxification, it says that detoxification is the physiological removal of toxic substances from a living organism. And the church, which is you and I, are the living organism of people connected to the life of God through union with Jesus Christ. We are the spiritual body of Jesus Christ with Christ as the head of the body. And a healthy body, a healthy organism, is one where detoxification takes place. And church, detoxification is important for us because we want to be a body that is effective for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the motivation here, right? It's not about us getting fit and, you know, physically. This is about the body itself being effective for the sake of the gospel of Christ. Which means that we, church, we need to abstain from the things that are polluting us and fill up with the things that purify us. It's purposefully removing unnecessary influences in this world 
created by the enemy that corrupts our character, our thinking, and decision-making. It's identifying and detoxifying those things, removing them from our lives so that we can be filled with godly attributes, godly thinking, godly peace, and godly authority. In part one, we looked at facing the pressure of conformity. But we also looked at what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says that we must not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And we identified ways to detoxify our minds from the constant bombardment of conformity that this world is trying to force us into. Have a listen to that message if you haven't already. And church today, I want us to speak about and focus on detoxifying ourselves from the spirit of fear. And today we're going to start off with a familiar passage of scripture. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I think we all know this passage of scripture, but I'm going to bring a few other verses to bring context. Verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I like how the NRV version puts it. It says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Now, church, when we're talking about fear, I suppose that everybody has a certain amount of what they would call caution or healthy fear. Because healthy fear can keep you alive. I mean, if you have a fear of heights, that to a certain degree can be good for obvious reasons because gravity still works. Right? If you have a healthy fear of driving too fast on a motorbike or in a car, that could very well save your life one day. But fears become irrational. They can paralyze us. They can cause us to act and think in a frantic kind of way. And church, I suppose that whatever fears people already have, that they have been added to over this past year and a half for a number of reasons. Because now there's a fear of a virus. Now there's a fear of a vaccine. Now there's a fear of economic failure. There's a fear of what the future might hold for us because there's so many uncertainties. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you see, church, just to take a step back for a moment, fear starts when we're young. Because kids have all kinds of irrational fears, right? From fear of the dark to fear of monsters under their bed or in their cupboards. Fear of crocodiles. I mean, I remember when I was young, I used to dream that crocodiles were chasing me and I would wake up just before they got to me. I had a fear of crocodiles even though they weren't or any or aren't now, not that I know of, crocodiles in the south of Johannesburg. You see, it doesn't make much sense, but kids have those fears. We learn them and we carry them with us. One little boy in grade 7 said, my biggest fear is a test. He says, I'm afraid of it because it's like I know the material, but when it's in front of me, my brain just shuts off. Who's been there before? I see that hand. <laughs> 
You're going through that right now, right? <laughs> Besides fears, church, there are what mental health experts call phobias. And they call that a type of anxiety disorder. And just to name a few, you get trypanophobia, which is the fear of needles. Who's scared of needles? It's quite a few people. That's one of the biggest phobias, by the way. You get aviophobia, which is the fear of flying. Then claustrophobia, which is the fear of enclosed spaces. Entomophobia, the fear of insects. You get ophidio, let me try this again, ophidiophobia, which is the fear of snakes. Who doesn't like snakes much? I think there's a lot of us here. <laughs> you get cynophobia, which is the fear of dogs. Astrophobia, which is the fear of storms. And then, then there is even something called phobophobia, which is the fear of fear. It's the fear of being fearful. That's true. And I don't want to laugh this often and marginalize it if you have one of these phobias because it comes at a cost. It comes at a physiological response, which typically results in a raised heart rate, shortness of breath, sweating, a tingling feeling on your body, and adrenaline rush. All those things are real things that happen in the body. It's not just something that happens in the mind and stays in the mind. It eventually, if unattended, will have an effect on you physiologically. And that's why it's so important for us not only to talk about fear and the effects of it, but actually how to conquer it, how to detoxify it from our lives and to live a future free from the bondage of fear. Coming back to our scripture this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's begin reading in verse 6. Paul is speaking to Timothy and he says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to to the power of God. As we said earlier, power of the spirit of faith. I want you to see how God will set us free and how faith can face the giant of fear and overcome. Would you tell the person next to you this morning that I am an overcomer? And I want you to notice three basic things that fear can do to anybody. If you're taking notes this morning, number one, fear will bring forgetfulness. In verse 6, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, Timothy was a very gifted man. He was unusually anointed and equipped for the work of God. He had a remarkable gift of God, but he failed to use it. At some point in his life, he failed to use it. At church, why did he fail to use the gift that he had? He'd forgotten it. Paul says, I remind you, Timothy, you've forgotten who you are. You have forgotten your ability. You have forgotten what God has done for you and what God wants to do through you. At church, what did cause Timothy to forget? It was his fear. 
You see, verses 6 and 7 are connected. Paul says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And that word for connects those two verses. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the idea is that fear had caused him to forget. And you know, church, when you focus on fear, that takes all of the blue out of your sky and you don't see clearly. You don't understand who you are or what you can do. And that fear just causes you to forget all the blessings of God and the promises of God over your life. You see, some of you are immensely gifted, tremendously blessed. But if there is something that you're afraid of, it will cause you to forget all the blessings of God and all the giftings of God in your life because you have focused on something else. You have focused on your fear rather than focusing on the Lord and trusting in the Lord. And you know what? It happens to all of us. And we just need to see it for what it is. It is just a diversion tactic from the enemy. And the power of Christ working through us can defeat this enemy. Amen? This enemy. We can defeat that enemy. Now, Timothy Church at this time didn't have much to be afraid of. If anybody had anything to be afraid of, it was the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter. Because Paul was sitting in prison. He says in verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. And yes, Paul was a prisoner to, of the Lord in the metaphorical sense, in that he was a bond slave to the Lord Jesus. But he was also a prisoner in the literal sense that he was physically in prison. And when he wrote this, he was awaiting his execution. And yet he's not trembling. He hasn't forgotten why. He hasn't forgotten the bigger picture. He says in verse 12, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. That is powerful, church. Paul says, I know who I believe in. I know who I belong to, and I know what I have committed to him, and he will keep it until that day. And yes, I'm in prison, but I know the bigger picture. I know where I'm going. And you see, church, Paul hadn't forgotten who God was and how great God was. Paul had his eyes fixed on the Lord. And church, if you're afraid today, I want to suggest to you that part of your fear is because you've forgotten who God is and what God has done for you and what God has promised over your life. Fear brings on a form of amnesia about who we are in Christ. It is a very deceitful spirit. So fear will not only bring forgetfulness, but number two, fear will bring failure to fulfill your calling. Look at verse 8 again. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. What had happened to Timothy Church was that Timothy failed to share Christ 
and he had failed to stand up for the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, do not be ashamed of the gospel or of me because I'm in prison again. But Timothy was afraid. Timothy was afraid of what might happen to him and fear shut his mouth and fear paralyzed him. And church, did you know that when we should succeed in life, many of us fail for one reason? Because we've listened to the sinister minister of fear, the devil, rather than listening to God. And fear comes in like a flood and it just takes our feet out from under us and just paralyzes us. No matter how gifted you are, no matter how blessed you are, fear will debilitate you if you allow it. And you know, there are a lot of people, and perhaps even some people sitting here today or listening online, who have abilities that are unused, gifts that are buried, and perhaps even gifts that have been forgotten. And again, one of the reasons why is because of fear. If you can recall, church, I said a few weeks back in our study on the book of Acts, it is within you. It is within one of us. One, within one of us is the next worship leader or the next evangelist or the next teacher or preacher. Within one of us is the next leader in a men's or a women's ministry. Within one of us is the next ministry leader in a feeding program or a ministry for the homeless or for abandoned children, right? And we started to see those gifts come through in our church, which is so amazing to see because it is within you, church, to be in the ministry. It is within you to serve the gift that God has graced you with. But sometimes we have to get fear out of the way so that we can serve that gift with faith. Come on. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gave the parable of the talents and how he gave to everyone different talents. And there was one man who said, I took your talent, Lord, and I, I hid it in the ground. I buried it in the ground because I was afraid. Needless to say, his Lord wasn't happy and gave what he had to the one that was faithful. And you see, church, here's a principle. For us to remember, you're either faithful or, or you are fearful. You can't be both at the same time. And unfortunately, there are many people with buried talents that will never be used because of fear. But Paul says to Timothy, stir up those gifts, don't bury them. He says, stir up those gifts and do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And you know, I think it is safe to say that for most of the people here today and those listening online who are saved, we want to be soul winners for Christ. Amen? But you know the major thing that keeps people from witnessing? It's not that they don't want to see people saved. It's not that they don't want to be used of God. Let's be honest with each other this morning. The major thing that shuts the mouths of most of us is fear. It's fear of failure. And that's why this topic, church, about detoxifying yourself from fear is so important. Because fear will bring forgetfulness and fear will bring failure to fulfill your calling. 
If you're fearful, you're going to forget who you are in Christ, and you're not going to serve the gift that God has given you, and you're not going to testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And number three, fear will bring frailty. Fear will bring frailty. Did you know that fear can literally sicken us and weaken our bodies? I've already mentioned some of the impacts, but if you look at some of the reliable research out there, when it comes to chronic illnesses, right, or chronic conditions, up to 90% of the chronic patients that see today's physicians have one common problem. The trouble didn't start with a cough or chest pain or hyperacidity. In almost 90% of the cases, the first symptom was fear. Some doctors tell us that an arthritic condition may be exacerbated, greatly inflamed because of worry and fear. You can literally worry yourself sick. You can literally worry yourself stiff if that's the case. And I guess that's church. When I go to my family, my family GP, I guess that's why his first question to me always is, are you stressed? Right? Are you under a lot of pressure? Are you worried? What makes you think that he's dealing with a lot of fear out there? You see, this type of fear is a terrible thing. Jesus, speaking of the last days, said, One of the marks of the last days would be this, that men's hearts would be failing them because of fear. People who are carrying a load of fear actually have heart failure, physical problems because of fear. You see, fear in your life is like sand in an engine. Faith in your life is like oil. It lubricates life. Fear, on the other hand, will do the same thing to you that sand will do to an engine. And church, there's no coincidence that the Lord has laid this topic on my heart at this point when we've been speaking so much about how the Holy Spirit has gifted each of us to play a pivotal role in fulfilling the mandate of the church. We all have a gift to serve. Amen? But one thing that will really prevent us from serving that gift is fear. And I want to declare this morning that we are going to break free from the bondage of the spirit of fear. Amen? Can I get an amen? So we've talked about the destructive power of the spirit of fear. Now let me talk to you a little bit about the delivering power of the spirit of faith. Thank God Paul didn't just tell us the problem, but he gives us the answer. He says again in verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And church, there are three elements in this passage that if you take them and put them in your life, these three things, power, love, and a sound mind, you can have a future free from the bondage of fear. So first of all, God has filled us with power. With power. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples after his resurrection in Luke chapter 24, he said, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. 
He's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And church, when you think about it, I want you to think with me this morning. Do you know why we're afraid when we're afraid? Most of the times we're afraid, church, that we don't have the resources to meet our enemy. I mean, if we have a foe that we feel is bigger than we are, then we're afraid. But if I understand that I have greater strength than my enemy, there's no need to be for me to be afraid. Come on. You know where I'm going with this, right? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in this world. You need to grab a hold of that. That's why the psalmist puts it this way in, in Psalm chapter 27. And I think this is such a beautiful psalm. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain calm. Amen? You see, church, if you have the spirit of fear, it's because you have not focused on the omnipotent Lord and you have forgotten the gift of God that is in you. So remember, church, firstly, God has given us the spirit of power. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And secondly, not only has God given us the spirit of power, but God has also given us the spirit of love. And love is also a mighty, mighty force to deal with fear. The Bible tells us very clearly how love deals with fear. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Anyone that's been through fear, you know there's torment there. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You know, some could interpret that verse to mean that if I just love God perfectly, then I wouldn't be afraid. But the truth is, we don't do anything perfectly except sin. This doesn't mean that if I, I love God perfectly, then I'll not be afraid. It literally means, church, I don't have to be afraid because God loves me perfectly. Now, let me give it to you in the Living Bible. Remember, the Living Bible is a paraphrase, but I think it amplifies this verse beautifully. It says, we need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. That's powerful. And you see, church, when you see on the one hand God's mighty power and on the other hand God's mighty love, then fear starts to melt away. Amen? God endues us with power. God enriches us with love. And what you and I need to do is just rest in that love and say, Lord, 
no matter what happens to me, I know that I know that I know that you love me. And because you love me and because you're all-powerful, all things work together for good who love God and are called according to His purpose. But there's one other thing that is necessary. Not only does God fill us with power, and not only does God enrich us with love, but God enlightens us with a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but number one, of power, number two, of love, and number three, of a sound mind. This word, sound mind, church, is the Greek word, sophronismos. And it literally means to have self-discipline, sound judgment, and act sensibly. That's what it means. You see, many of the things that we're afraid of, we're afraid of not on the basis of reality, but because the deceiver has made us afraid. The motivational speaker, Zig Ziglar, says fear, F-E-A-R, is often false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. I'm sure you've heard that before. Put it outside. Your driveway to get something out your car. And you get this feeling that someone's following you. Or someone's looking at you through, through the bushes. And you run back inside because you're scared. I'm not talking about myself, by the way. <laughs> you don't have any real basis for that fear. God gives us a sound mind so that we are able to take these things and, and to look at them with sound judgment, acting sensibly based on God's truth. And many times we just have to take ourselves by the scruff of the neck and make yourself analyze these things sensibly. And we have to look past what might happen to us in the immediate moment and see that God is ultimately victorious. That's what Paul did in verse 12. He says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Timothy, you're ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but I'm not ashamed. Because I know whom I have believed and I persuaded he's able to keep it until that day. He's going to keep me. Now that's a sound mind, right? He wasn't blown away by all these things that the devil was doing. He had a commitment. He had a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, as I begin to close this morning, and maybe the worship team can start to come up, I want to tell you about a story. It's a true story. It's a story about a Japanese soldier during World War II. And in 1944, when the tide began to turn, this, this soldier was living on the island of Guam. And when the tide began to turn, and he thought that the Japanese were going to lose, he deserted the Japanese army and isolated himself in a cave on, in the jungles of Guam. And for 28 years, this soldier stayed in that cave, and he would only come out at night. He ate frogs, rats, he ate shrimps that, could, that he could catch in puddles, and he ate wild fruit. Anything that he could get his hands on. And for 28 years, he lived as a prisoner of his fear. The war was already over. People were driving Toyotas, they were watching Sonys and going to, on vacation to Tokyo. 
And here's this guy living down there in fear. Why do you think that is, church? Because he didn't know that the war was over. And I want to tell you this morning, church, that the war is over and Jesus has won. Jesus has won and it's finished. The war is over and Jesus is victorious. Your sin has been paid for. And you see, the devil doesn't want you to understand these things. He wants to keep you in your fear. He wants to keep on deceiving you. But the apostle Paul says, Nevertheless, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. And I want to close by asking you something. Have you committed everything to him? You see, there's an exchange that we need to make. When we commit everything to the Lord, He fills us with faith. Because it's all in His hands now. Another word, church, for commit is to entrust. And the only way, church, that you are filled with trust is if you entrust. Come on. You entrust Him with your life, and He fills you with power, love, and a sound mind. And a faith that will conquer any giant of fear. And I want to say to you this morning, church, this is not an empty promise. If you are enveloped by fear this morning, the Lord is saying it's time to change your perspective. Because He is still on the throne. He is still in control. And He has placed His victorious power in you. I want you to... This morning, we're going to have a time of ministry. And I want you to commit every part of your life to Him this morning, and you will live a life free from the bondage of fear. And we are going to go into a time of worship this morning, but if the band could just play softly for a few moments. In church, we don't want to listen to a message like this and just go home and say, you know what, it was a good message or it was an okay message. We want to respond. We want to break free from the bondage of the spirit of fear this morning. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning. We're going to make a space this morning for you to respond. And you are welcome to either come to the front this morning or stand where you are. We've already prepared some of our leaders to come and pray for you. If you feel this message has been speaking to you, and you want to break free from the bondage of of fear this morning, the spirit of fear, I want you to stand. And you need to tell your fear this morning that my God is victorious. That my God has won. Whether you experience a small amount of fear this morning or whether you are enveloped by this fear, you feel like you can't do anything anymore. And I also want to say, church, we're going to pray for you this morning, but what we need to understand is this is a daily renewal of our minds. Because the spirit of fear is going to keep on trying to bring you back into this place of fear. And we've got to just say, listen, I'm going to put a a quick little glimpse on my my circumstances and my fear. But I'm going to put my gaze on the Lord. I'm going to fix my gaze on Him. So I'm going to ask those leaders to please stand up and, and go pray for these people that are standing. And we're going to trust the Lord's going to meet you in a special way this morning. If you want to come to the front, you're welcome. You're also welcome to stay where you are and we'll come and pray for you.